Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 249 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian and Angelo. Double Density is your home to tech tales and paranormal primers. Now, first things first, Angelo, a little bit weird. We're recording on a Monday morning because I ended up getting free tickets to go see Tool last night. And let me tell you, I'm glad I didn't pay for them. And I'm taking time out of my lunch hour to record. So this will probably be a shorter episode than usual. It is, yeah. Also, what made me laugh, though, is that, yes, of course, you have a, a very busy work day. But the other day, you were telling me you were so bored, you were just listening to Taylor Swift. I mean, yeah, I was at the office, and being at the office seems a little more, like, heavy on my cognitive load, so I felt really bored there. There's work to do, but it's just, like, <laughs> right. it felt trudging work. Yeah. I, being in a setting such as an office when you don't want to be there is especially difficult, right? Yeah. But that's not to say, like, I have no work. If if any of the upper higher-ups where I work are listening to this, no, no, I have plenty of work. Do not send me more work to do. If you want to send Angelo more work, double density podcast, gmail.com. Send all forms of work to Angelo. He loves spreadsheets. <laughs> he loves uh, puzzles. He loves uh, really boring, laborious admin work. Now, before I forget, we have to sort of like issue a mail couple because we were going to do a coast to coast AM episode. But given the fact that next episode is 250, kind of a big one, um, and the amount of research I've done into the topic, we're going to save it for next week. Um, so, yeah. So, if you're here for coast to coast AM only, then I am sorry. If you're here for uh, Brian and Angelo and the double density experience, then hey, good news. This is it. So uh, I want to start with some listener mail, if that's okay with you. Always okay with me. Sure. So uh, Kevin, a uh, big fan of the show, uh, emailed us. He sent it a form too, but I'm just going to read everything that he said here because he included a bunch of links to some really interesting um, books, movies, and uh, podcasts. So um, Kevin's referring, of course, to the episode that we did with Rob um, about House of Leaves a couple of weeks ago. He says, just listen to your recent episode. Loved it. Good to hear but all of the irons in the fires Rob K has, I pretty much binged his podcast back in June and July. So my brain was saturated with weird UFOs and their occupants. I also discovered you guys. He and you guys struck a good point about podcasts in general. How they're for people like me who love a subject but don't have the time to read all of the books about it. I would read more, but I'm pretty much driving half of the day at work. This is where podcasts and audiobooks come in. I'm also autistic and dyslexic and so on, so I really struggle to concentrate on the written word. So as you can imagine... Audio input and information in general, like your podcasts, are godsend to me. Well, we're glad to hear that, Kevin. So he also continues, who knows? One day I might give it a go. I'm still trying to figure out a way to combine the neurodivergence and the paranormal into a podcast. The two things that I'm generally obsessed about. That would be a really cool podcast. I haven't heard um, uh, a podcast uh, done in that format. Definitely. There'd be different points of view there that would really open up different avenues of looking at the paranormal. I agree. So he has... A bunch of recommendations, because we did some recommendations in Hesley. Definitely, yeah. Um, so he recommends the movie Vivarium, a special horror movie with Jesse Eisenberg. Um, the book The Bridge by Ian Banks. Um, as well as Consider Flebus and the Hydrogen Sonata. I Am the Cheese, another book, and a podcast called The Magnus Archives, which he describes as creepy as F-U-C and th- the K. I think I've heard of The Magnus Archives. It's, it's a name that rings a bell. I'll stop here because my wife wants to watch the Jimmy Savile drama starring Steve Coogan. Shouts out to Steve Coogan. Uh, he was great in 24-Hour Party People, Angelo. You probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Friend of the show, Steve Coogan. <laughs> Anyways, night-night, Kevin. Kevin, thank you so much for that email. I really enjoyed it. And then we got an email uh, um, uh, about the, the House of Leaves, the myhouse.wad file. Yeah. So someone says, incident at Flexiter. Angela, you're in luck. Why watch a found footage horror movie based on House of Lees? We can just play the fan-made Doom level MyHouse.Wad. A rabbit hole in and of itself based on the book House of Lees might be slightly less painful than reading it. And then an email, uh, 10 minutes later, says, Damn, I didn't make it all the way to the <laughs> I end. love when stuff like that happens because 
I've listened to other podcasts where they talk about getting messages from people where they haven't heard the whole podcast and commenting on something that was said because it's fun. I I do the same thing. I get super excited about something and then I want to like message the person and then I I tell myself, "Oh wait, let's see if they address this later in the show because I have done what he did and sent it early." And it's kind of fun. So it, it lets people know you're actively listening and we appreciate exactly, that. Exactly, yeah. It's, so it's, I, love I really enjoy those those yes. updates, uh, like the live ones. And then yeah. I was talking to Ellie of the Devil's Dress Star last week. Um, so between the time that we recorded our episode about Ouija boards and the time that the episode aired, I actually fell down a rabbit hole all about spiritualism and uh, the Civil War. So Ellie recently went to Salem. She mentioned that during her trip there, um, one of the things that she kept noticing is that spiritualism became popular as a, role, as a result of the American Civil War. So finding meaning in death seemed important for a lot of American foes, um, especially in that time. Uh, I actually ended up reading yeah, a fair amount about that between the two of them she had mentioned to me. So it was kind of this like weird moment of synchronicity right there. We got to support those podcasts with the same initials as our podcast. Exactly. <laughs> Angela, let's talk about Windows, though. Your favorite OS. My favorite OS. I mean, I grew up on Windows. No, that's not true. I, I guess I grew up on DOS. I really only used Windows for like six years, if you think of it in terms of home use, because up until 1997, I was on DOS 5.0. And then in 97, I got a Windows PC, got a second one a few years later because Windows PCs didn't last that long. And then in 2003, towards the end of the year, I got a Mac. And uh, I guess I kind of used both at the same time for a while. Oh, and I say at work, you kind of use both. I'm not too, counting right? work because work is work. Well, I mean, you're still no, but you're still using a Windows that OS is true, at work. But personal choice, if I if like somebody says choose the OS you want to use, it will be uh, OS 10 and now Mac OS as it's called without a capital M. So yeah, but now Windows is available as an app for iPhones, iPads, Macs, and PCs. And before I forget, I'm a Windows 3.1 baby. Um, so I learned on that, and then 95, and then uh, 98, etc. But yeah, you can install Windows on iPhones, iPads, Macs, That's and so PCs. weird. That's weird. Really weird. Like, I don't... I have to look into how this works, because it would be fun to kind of try. Because is it a sort of virtual machine of Windows? That'll take up a lot of processor power. Yeah, well, it lets you stream Windows 365, which, right? Which is like the kind of the office suite. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of have that already on my Mac because you just go online on the web and you can use it, but it's not the same thing. This is an actual Windows instance, I guess. Yeah. I yeah. Know. So it is, it is a virtual machine. Okay. I mean, does this interest you at all? No, okay. not in the least. I don't, why would I need a Windows? Um, we sell like Mac snobs. The only reason I need it is to play more Steam games in theory, right? Um, which I'm not really big on, but yeah, so... Um, it's funny, though, because the Verge article points out that the Windows app isn't currently available for Android as of yet. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I'd be very curious if anyone out there is using the Windows app to access the uh, Windows 365 instance, the virtual machine. Let us know. DoubleDensityPodcast.gmail.com. Um, we're still on the health site. Double underscore density over on Twitter. And uh, I'm kind of curious. Yeah, I'm, I really would like to hear some use cases from people as to why they'd want to use um, a Windows VM in order to to do stuff. I mean, we could start a religious argument here and have people write into us about why they like Windows more than Mac OS. And then on the show, we could proceed to tell them how they're wrong.
double density. <laughs> um, so we can slightly switch gears for our next story all about um, Android versus iPhone, Angela. So let's talk about that, right? So Ah, another religious argument. I was about to say, it kind of segues well into that, right? So Apple announces that it's bringing rich communication services, so RCS, um, to Apple, right, which will make it easier to bridge the Android-Apple divide. So I have a couple of friends who use Android and um, phones on different builds. And the funny thing is when they react to a message or something, it says blank has reacted to and not the actual reaction itself, right? So Because when you're texting with through iMessage, if you're texting to an Android person, you get the green bubble and it just uses the standard SMS protocol. The way I've understood how Apple's going to implement AC, uh, RCS is uh, an iMessage mess. iMessage will be an iMessage message, whatever, like you've had in the past with Blue Bubbles, and it'll be seamlessly integrated when you're dealing with non iMessage users. Is, am I understanding that correctly? You are understanding that correctly, but Yay. the biggest question of all time is do the green bubbles still become green? I think they still will. And the answer is yes. Yeah. The answer is yes. So um, we're not uh, we're not changing anything here for that one guy in the group chat with the. Uh, no, it's just that everybody phone. on the iPhone will cater to them with their <laughs> RCS, right? And it'll get yeah, whatever exactly. whatever reaction they're there. I wonder if those reactions will be seamless or, or if they'll be different from the reactions and stuff you can do with iMessage. Like for example, uh, if my it's my wife's birthday today, and if I wish her a happy birthday via text message. She gets balloons if I just say happy birthday. Right. Or I can send it with confetti or whatever. I wonder if that would work the same way or if it'll be slightly different types of reactions in within iMessage itself. Yeah, I'm curious to see if there's a whole new set out there, right? A, a unified set of reactions and tap acts and things like that um, that will make for a better enhanced experience. And it's kind of funny because I, I didn't think Apple would take this step necessarily yeah. because they've been sort of adverse to RCS for a little while. For a little while, I think Apple's the ones that really want to let technologies simmer for a bit before they really adapt them if it's not their own. And they, it's I feel like it's a decent call for the amount of market share they have and for how many people are using their devices because they want to make sure they don't break something. Like yeah. they took forever for USB-C to come to the iPhones because I think – there's arguments both ways, and they lose both ways, in that people get upset that, oh, they changed their adapter again, even though it's been over 10 years, or, oh, they haven't changed their adapter yet. To, right. Right? So, and and USB-C is great in some ways and worse in other ways because you can have really, really cheap USB-C cables that can actually ruin your devices if you're not careful. So, like, there's that good middle-of-the-road range of USB-C cables that you want to be buying from companies like anchor or you green or whatever those are actually not decently a sponsor made. not a sponsor i watched a recent video on tested on adam savage's channel where he kind of did like a MythBusters on usb-c cables and questioning why the thunderbolt 4 cable for the that comes with the apple studio display and you can also buy in apple's stores for like 130 dollars and why it's that expensive and the answer is there's a good reason why it's that expensive. It's literally so. This a isn't a monster HDMI cable situation. No, no, this is not. This is there is a valid reason. And they said you're actually paying what it's worth because there's computers on both sides of the cable. Whereas if you, it's not, and you would never buy this cable to plug it into your phone to charge it. That would be a waste of money. But if you're using it to plug into your phone from a display, it is a totally valid reason. Yeah, I agree. 
I agree with that. Uh, Angela, you get 60 seconds to talk about your decision to switch up your internet. Um, oh, nothing um, really special. It's I'm staying with the same ISP. They sent me snail mail saying that uh, there's a, a $100 credit if I change now and the equipment's free because usually they charge you for the equipment. So if I stay with them for two years, which I've been with them for 15, I don't see myself changing. I get to keep this uh, new modem router type thing for free. I get a $100 credit and I'll be paying $2 less a month for more than double the speed I'm getting now. And uh, I felt that was fine. The only thing is that I'm used to having just a modem, and this is a modem router. I'll have right. to enable bridge mode, which from what I've seen online is actually pretty straightforward. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Uh, if we're not recording next week, it's because I'm not on the internet. <laughs> which is a, l- a larger issue, right? I'd that would be because a then you'd be forced problem. to go into the office on a much regular uh, basis like you used to do. Well, then my family would have nothing at home. Yeah. No TV, much as- no phones. Well, we have phones, but I think it should be okay and... May I add, the customer service I had with them was extraordinarily good. Very confusing. Very confusing yeah, to, to most people out there. Yeah, people tend to have bad customer service experiences. I, I usually have good customer service experience, and I chalk it up to how charming and humble I am. <laughs> yeah, of course. Like uh, we, uh, The first words I use to describe Angela, of course, are uh, charming and uh, humble. I had to get, did I talk about this last week? I don't remember. I had to get a new router because my old one died, RIP, old router. You told me. I don't know if you mentioned it. And I said, yeah. did you get one of those weird ones that look like some sort I of got Batman drone. thing? Yeah. yeah, I got the drone. Yeah. So it's uh, it's doing its job here. It's, it's a lot better. It's a lot stronger than our last one too, which is uh, good news. Well, speaking of new routers, can I, can I just bend down and show you something, <laughs> if that sounds good? Sure, of course. Still in the box. So you have the the Eero right there. You're holding up the Eero. Yeah, but so this is the 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 Eero Pro Six E because I have the old Eeros that uh, don't go past 500 megabits per second. And if I have a, if I have a gigabyte connection, I think it's best to have something that actually handles that speed. And I've been toying with the idea of getting a new Eero router for a few months now since they've been heavily discounted. And right. I finally bit the bullet. So I said, oh, I'll use one of this. I'll use this Black Friday what are, deal. You always do buy. this thing. You always find an excuse to sort of buy new toys. Well, there's a good reason this time. Well, yeah, of course. Of course. The family thinks you, Angelo, for sure. Because now you can watch all of those, uh, you know, episodes of whatever you're watching these days in 4K. Yeah. The, well, I mean, my old arrows worked fine, but I think this will be good. So look, two new routers for the Double Density team. It's true. Uh, speaking of that, though, uh, it is the 50th anniversary of the Ethernet cable, too. I just want to quickly mention that. Speaking of the you know, um, uh, tech realm, uh, Cat5 cables just hanging out all over the place, right, between modem, router, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I, um, yeah I, I think I have, like, a mix of different cables here. But, I mean, as long as it carries the Internet I have, I'm happy. And that precious energy that you need in order to survive? Yes, exactly. Angela, speaking of precious energy in order to survive, let us head on over to the paranormal side of things where we're going to talk a little bit about energy, but a lot about um, a lot of other things. Yeah. So apparently there's a female ghost in this apartment building who thinks I'm attractive. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week, I decided to base the paranormal segment on a bunch of clips that I keep seeing on socials and on places like Reddit over the last couple of months. And uh, people have been clipping 
a, a 2020 uh, double segment about exorcism uh, from the April 4th, 1991 episode. We'll include a, sh- uh, a link in the show notes to watch the about 35 minutes of, of Showtime. But there's also like a weird six minutes at the end of another um, piece of uh, TV journalism. I, I don't know if I want to call TV Bill journalism. Bill O'Reilly's there. I was going to say Bill O'Reilly's on there um, talking about the Vatican, Italian exorcists, and, and more. Um, but yes, but the, the, what I want to talk about today is Gina, right? So Gina, a teenager, a very normal teenager in some ways, but not in others, uh, with a history of, of issues, um, psychological in nature. And what essentially happens here is that uh, 2020 conducted a year-long investigation into this one specific case of exorcism and this is one of the rare times where the catholic church had agreed to show this kind of thing exorcisms have always been hush hush there was a lot of press i guess when the exorcist came out in the 70s that some people in the catholic church were kind of excited about and some people were really against and obviously what you see in the exorcist is quite dramatized but this was kind of interesting to see a real thing. And Brian, I remember watching this in 1991. It's something. Really? So yeah, this brought back with memories. With the family? No, I used to, like, so in 1991, uh, kids gather around while an old man tells you a story. In 1991, as a 14-year-old, uh, on a Friday night, there's nothing really to watch. And you kind of watch 2020 because that was a thing. After TJF, right? After yeah. it started in the mid-90s, yeah. And I... One of the articles you sent mentioned that there was, I think, 29 million people yeah, I was that to say, watched so you, this. You're one of the 29 million viewers. So this is one of the biggest audiences up to that point that 2020 had seen. And it's pretty exciting. Because well, 2020 did all kinds of weird things. If, if you don't know what 20... Is it still on? I don't think that's still on, right? Is, I think that's... Uh, I think still is, actually. Obviously with different hosts. Yes, correct. Uh, 46 seasons. So yeah, it's still on. Uh, <laughs> Uh, episode eight of season 46 aired on November 17th, for example. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, it was something that people watched because again, you had like four channels to watch back then. Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was also like Friday night, right? So if you're just a little too young to go out and, and party, yeah. was it? and my, so when I started watching this, my 14 year old was in the room and she politely asked me to stop watching it because she thought it was old and also didn't like the noises that were coming out of the girl's mouth. Yeah, well, it's fair, right? But this is very sensationalistic journalism, right? Like, all of the cliches are here, all of the dramatic flourishes, all of the uh, the content warning, firstly, which made me laugh, but then also just the the construct of the double segment, right? Because they did a, a setup of the uh, context by which the exorcism happens, and then the second part is the, the exorcism itself. Um, it's kind of interesting, right? So Gene is this, like, teenager who clearly um, has a lot going on mentally right so i am not a mental health professional but i would definitely um err on the idea that there was probably something that was uh misdiagnosed or not properly diagnosed at all 100%. that led to this decision right um so she ended up going to the miami children's hospital for a while she was there for a month and then um a father one of them only identified his father a decides that for anonymous you know, to, to yeah is he but behind the hacking go. group he could be honestly this he could be the proto hacker right Known as anonymous, yeah. Um, but yeah, so they they do this exorcism, and the funny part to me um, is that she then gets interviewed a couple of months later and says that uh, she's doing well, no demons, but also little caveat there, she's also taking some medication now. Yeah, some uh, heavy heavy medication to make sure that she keeps her 
mental health in check, which isn't a bad thing. The no. uh, psychologist it... or psychiatrist from the Children's Hospital was not super impressed. With he was the not whole happy. Exorcism He's thing. not happy. No. <laughs> um, so it, it kind of reminded me of an old Peter Popoff. Um, infomercial I once watched because uh, why not? And he was selling his like miracle holy water, which was just you know sp- spring water, just bottled yeah. water. And uh, one of the women said, "I drank the water, and the demons stopped talking to me. Also, I stopped doing crack." So it kind of feels like the same thing, right? We're like obviously not the same, but psychological issues bleeding into this. And um, there was some contention on the 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 Catholic side of things. So I want to read an, uh, a very quick quote about a father, uh, Father Richard P. McBrien. What a name! What a name, who uh, uh, kind of rebutted the decision of the Catholic Church to allow this to happen. He said that this is uh, a way to advance a political agenda and not to save souls. He stated, the real objective of that project, I submit, was to help bring back that old-time religion (laughs) when everyone, women especially, knew their place, when Catholics obeyed without question every director from on high, and when there was never any question that the Catholic Church was the one true church with all the answers to all important questions we have about life, both here and hereafter. So, the idea here is suggesting that like this is kind of a glorified PR campaign. I'm not arguing against that. I actually kind of believe that, um, especially uh, if you look at the uh, uh, enrollment numbers uh, church-wise uh, yeah. in North America at the time, dwindling, of, of course. And so like this is kind of like a, a sensationalist, a shock jog method of bringing people back to attention to fear something that perhaps hadn't made the news in 15 years since you were saying the, the exorcist right in the early 70s. Yeah, that's not a bad way of looking at it. It makes a lot of sense that... It's always about PR, really. You kind yeah. of, and the fact that they, there's this whole big rigmarole of them authorizing this, and it's like the first time ever. It just seems really sensationalist. To yeah. Me. Well, we talked about this, I think, a while back, like in the within the first 100 episodes, but the the process by which the Catholic Church actually okays an exorcism, right? And it's a six month process. And they mentioned this also um, in the 2020 that they had to go through. Yeah. But they have to go through all of these different steps. Yeah. Initially, it was six months, right? So the six months period to um, discount any kind of like mental issue that may have popped up um, that accounts for for this behavior. Yeah, what uh, I meant behavior. was like what we see in the story is over the course of a year. Yeah, so it's a twelve month story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, where the exorcism, I guess, happens on month ten, and then the checkup happens on month twelve, where Gina says, "I'm I'm cured." Kind well, of. Well, she, she did look much better. She did. Yeah, she did. She was going to school. She was doing fine. Um, so I'm glad that in the end, this woman, who we don't hear from ever again, like I, I've scoured the internet to try and find her. Brian, stuff. I was very upset with one I know, of the articles you posted because it was, it was the slug said whatever happened to Minga. And uh, what a letdown because it wasn't actually the actual Gina from the story. Yeah, because I want to describe that. It's just a man describing how people have noticed that this, his, his wife looks like Gina from the segment. Yeah. And she acts... Like Gina sometimes, right? So the yeah, the demon is is a demon named uh, Minga hanging out, and that uh, so there are several things that sort of uh, give me pause during the exorcism. I was gonna say the exorcist, but the exorcism portion of the 2020 episode. The first one, of course, being the idea that a nurse is there, and I find that interesting. Like, how does that line up with the Hippocratic oath? You're right. But do nurses have to take that or is it just doctors? No, what I'm just saying, like the do right doctrine by which most yeah. nurses would, would do things like it's kind of it's kind of strange to me that like a nurse, obviously Catholic, let's be honest here. Like you're not bringing in a Protestant, you're no, not bringing no. in a, you know, a, a non-theistic nurse here in this in this um, segment. But yeah, this like weird influx of like all these people. Right. So the nurses there and they have like a whole team. I wonder if um, it's because of what happened in the seventies to that person. Annalise, was that her name? Yes. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a history, unfortunately of 
of people perishing, Dying. right? So I was doing some research and I, I dug into the idea of the um, possessions, uh, you know, um, in the Muslim faith, for example, like the idea that the jinn can be possessed. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, there have been deaths there. And then the the Dibuk too um, in the Jewish faith. So the idea there that like there's possession there too. And unfortunately, there have been deaths there too. So there's a commonality of like unfortunate passings yeah. based on the idea of possession across major religions. So maybe now part of what was happening in the 90s is that a medical professional needed to be present there. So maybe that's why the nurse is there. But you're right. It is an odd thing for a nurse to be a part of because your profession is based on the scientific method. And this has nothing to do with science. There was one shot also that made me laugh because, of course, if there's a crew there... Then you <laughs> just think about this. So there's a there's a wide shot where they get the the boom operator, yeah, sitting on the couch in the corner of the exorcism, and I was just like, this dude, like did like he probably got a kick out of this, right? But just having like freaked what, what, out. Yeah, what are you doing today? Oh, I'm 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 wired to Mike in exorcism. Yeah, and she's saying weird stuff. Yeah, speaking in tongues uh, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, which is really interesting to me because like how. Has this been perpetuated, right? The idea of speaking in tongues of possession, right? Yeah, um, they mention, oh, they speak different languages. No, she's speaking gibberish. It's not like she's speaking perfect Latin at this point. Yeah. And I've seen videos of other um, purported exorcisms. And, like, it, it really does seem as if it is a social disease in ways because all of the writhing, all of the, the speaking are variations on the theme that was most made popular by the exorcist. Well, it's like what you see in, you mentioned Popov before, but what you see in those big mega churches and the spiritual healers and all that, people just falling over, that's all just like a a whole, like a social thing where it's almost like a mass delusion and they just kind of do what they feel needs to be done. Mm -hmm. Well, also like you got to remember with Peter Popov, like he had his wife um, uh, and a team uh, getting congregants to fill out forms. Yeah. And then, and then he was using his earpiece. Ear. Yeah. Yeah. He was using earpiece in order to figure out uh, who to target next. Um, yeah. So I just, I thought it was funny that like the crew had to be there for that day. I want to know what the insurance bond was like on that one. Right. Cause technically I guess an exorcism is an act of God in some ways. Yeah. You know, all I could think about when you're mentioning the, the whole thing of, Peter Popov and exorcism and stuff is just watching uh, Benny Hinn and oh, the, yeah, bodies at the fl- bodies at the floor video. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Another, another classic right there. Right. Yeah. And we've talked about him before and how he kind of reformed for a bit, but kind of then went back to his weird ways. Yeah. Cause that's what you got to make money for, especially during COVID, right? Yeah, so that's, exactly. That's a good way of, of making money in there. Was, let me ask this then was the Catholic church in the right to launch this PR initiative? I don't know. It came off seeming really weird and more of just an entertainment piece because this was not hard-hitting journalism, right? This was more, it seemed like something to get ratings on both sides, really. Yeah. And also, like, there's some some questions about consent, right? Because at the beginning of the exorcism segment, they tell us that Gina um, is brought to this space, but not told why. Yeah, because she's underage and isn't really making choices on her own. Her parents are making this decision to have her exercised. And this all just relies on what your parents think in this case, right? Like if this was like, you know, if you had a kid or one of my kids, like uh, we'd go to a doctor of medicine or a psychiatrist of some kind for this type of issue. 
Well, the, also the wild thing, too, is that, like, the reason on the Catholic Church side of things is that they want to surprise the demon. But the problem is this, right? So if we, if we are to understand that there is a plane of existence beyond ours where there are deities, chances are a demon would be able to pick up this information outside of the body yeah. in which they inhabit. Yeah. I mean, if they're able to inhabit and possess a human body, they can probably figure out when you're sneaking up on them. Yeah, exactly, right? So, yeah. There's just, there are a lot of logical leaps that one has to make. Obviously, like any kind of, well, I'm just saying like (laughs) any kind of religion, right? Any kind of theistic belief is a leap of faith, quote unquote, right? Isn't Um, it literally called faith? (laughs) Well, there you go, right? Um, But it's just like, it's funny because um, according to some of the research I did at the time, so Gina and her mom, who is a Colombian immigrant, were pressured by the church in order to do this. I just really wish we could see uh, where are they now type of deal. I would love to understand how, you know, yeah, I'd love to hear the three-year, the five-year, the 20-year update on Gina, right? Yeah. Of understanding what her journey was like, um, given that she had the national spotlight for a couple of days and, like, made a lot of news waves. Like, David Letterman used uh, based a top ten on this, or rather his writing room through him based a top ten on this. Yeah, it, it's just, and this person's just a few years older than me. I'd be really interested to see where they are in life, but there's no way we're going to find out what happened to her. The whole point of, the, like, I mean, Gina wasn't even her real name. Was Minga the real name of the demon? You Who know knows? Right? Was yeah, was it a screen name? Yeah, yeah. The demon's name was hid for, for like privacy reasons. Yeah. Also, I want to apologize. I realized at the beginning of the segment I said she was fourteen, but she was actually sixteen. No, I don't know. 16, I had this yeah. written. Yeah, I had this written in my notes as fourteen for some reason, and then um, yeah, I was fourteen we when this came out. And well, my, there, my kid why. is fourteen. Yeah, so I'll, she's just I'll, not I check in with her to, to make this. sure she's not possessed on a daily. basis. Yeah, like on a regular basis, especially yeah. if the Ouija board incident, right? Like, oh yeah, it's true. Also, let's be honest. Like this happened in Florida. Let's. Oh, Florida's I didn't a realize for, that. Why didn't I realize that? Okay, yeah. Florida's no, Florida is a hotbed for this kind of Florida. thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I felt like there could have been a much more interesting, stronger case to be made. But of course, TV is TV. You want to do those ratings. You want to make that money. You want to be in the spotlight. And of this course, was this ratings king's t- like like rating was king, right? Like this is all you strive for was getting good ratings in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. And the argument here is. Uh, for the Catholic Church, of course, in their pure offensive, is to gain followers by scaring them, which is a classic Catholic move oh, of yeah. scaring and uh, using guilt in order to uh, manipulate uh, your flock into doing whatever needs to get done. We're at where we are in Quebec. The Catholic Church held a lot of power, and then um, people kind of revolted. <laughs> yeah, they, they really did. And so uh, they revolted, but a lot of strands of the Catholic doctrines still live within a lot of thoughts around here definitely um i'm talking about in terms of um people of color immigrants Mm -hmm. etc um yes um and then of course in quebec there was that whole argument of like getting rid of religious symbols except for the like the cross and that was the comments so yeah you know i don't know about that one well that's how that's how it works here yeah. Um, do you feel like this segment created more questions for people watching it than it answered? Well, definitely, because, me, yeah, there's nothing really, it didn't really show anything happening. It Because when people, like, one of the things that was said really frustrated me because they were holding her down, and he said it was to prevent levitation. You know what? For TV, you should have let her levitate. Yeah, exactly. And then also, like, the woman pointing out that the, the girl was, like, throwing pillows and stuff at one point during a prior conversation. Kind of weird. I'm going to end this actually on um, – so the LA Times at the time uh, uh, in, put out a story and got a various quotes. And I want to read the last um, section of this 
LA Times piece because yeah. I feel like you're going to enjoy this. So, um, Skip, <laughs> the guy's name is Skip with two P's. Skip Portis of uh, Housatonic, Massachusetts, a former Assemblies of God minister who says he has performed dozens of such ceremonies, said that over time, these people that we treated reverted back. Portius, who now calls himself a secular humanist and who heads the Great Barrington Institute for First Amendment Studies, says, you're simply dealing with mental problems and they need professional help. The church should not be doing this kind of thing. I've witnessed people who have died because of it. Hmm. And I think that's kind of it for what I want to discuss, right? So I felt like it was kind of an interesting bit of um, social video that kept – every couple months it comes up. And I thought, you know what? It's time that we, we, we give a little talk about that and then let uh, podcast – Listeners uh, view the segment in its entirety in the show notes that they want and then kind of get into you know, for what we're talking about, what we're referring to. Uh, but also, yeah, I do not feel like this necessarily was the right PR move in the long run. No. And we still hear about exorcisms happening nowadays. Yeah, of course. It's of course. Still a thing. And uh, one of the articles you sent talked about how Pope Francis is kind of like cool about exorcisms. Yeah. Because he's a Jesuit, just like the priest in uh, The Exorcist. Well, exactly. <laughs> Father Karras, yeah, exactly. So um, there's a lot here. I'd be curious to know what people uh, take away from the segment and then you watch it. Um, so please let us know. You can email us at doubledensitypodcast.gmail.com. Over on the health site, double underscore density. Over on Instagram, double density podcast too. And you can kind of give a listen, get an idea of what's going on there. And uh, yeah, uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on exorcism. Door is wide open. Proverbially, not literally, of course. I'm not interested in dealing with demons. No, thanks. I'm interested in dealing with people who have thoughts about the concept of exorcisms, exorcisms and demons. Great. Can you tell I haven't had my coffee? I'm like slurring my words slightly. It's like I'm just, just late for coffee. Ah. I usually will use it. Uh, I usually will have a small one in the morning and then maybe one in the afternoon. Uh, but I'm holding off because I was like, oh, we're going to record this episode. Let yeah. me do that when I'm not super caffeinated and like vibrating. No, good idea. Well, I'll let so you have your coffee, Brian. Sorry? I, I'm going to let you go have your coffee. <laughs> Thank you, yeah, for this Monday morning episode. We should do more of these, honestly. If, I kind of don't I, mind yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I, I have an hour for lunch, and if we do like a 45-minute episode, I have plenty of time left to eat my lunch. I was going to say, yeah, 50 minutes to eat. And, uh, I, I, you, know, like, uh, you know what? I, I have a table as a desk, right? I pray can to literally your, your eat deities. in front of my desk, right? So it's not a big deal. Right, of course. Yeah, it's where the arrow now lives, the box. Yeah, well, I'm going to be doing that as well now. So I'm going to be uh, that apparently the Eero swap is not super complicated. It's all done through an app. You'd literally say, hey, I want to swap out an Eero and it'll say, OK, let's do this. There so, we go. Yeah, um, that's amazing. So, yeah, tune in next episode. Episode 250 will be dealing with Costco Sam, Art Bell, um, Courtney Brown, Remote Viewing and uh, Heaven's Gate, which is a bit of a heavy topic to, to discuss. And Brian loves cults. I'm a big cult guy, yeah. you know. Huge cult guy. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, Angel, I will see you there. I want you to dress up in an appropriate amount of clothing, be it a uh, Heaven's Gate style tracksuit. Mm-hmm. Probably not the best move, but also just maybe a uh, suit uh, or a piece of clothing that denotes a new kind of cult that you'd like to start. I think one of those silver jumpsuits is, is more my speed. Let's do that then. I'll see you right over there, my friend. Great.